0: Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Women's Health podcast. I'm so excited to have Sarah Lajeunesse on the podcast today. Sarah is a certified and award-winning coach, writer, speaker, and schmieler, which is a shame healer, whose life work is devoted to helping humans heal their guilt, shame, and experiences from the past that prevent them from moving forward and experiencing a greater and richer quality of life that's possible whether you're here to improve your confidence economics self-esteem relationships success health intimacy or overall well-being sarah believes that the quality of each can be strengthened based on the amount of personal history one is willing and ready to leave behind at its core her work is about helping you release what is no longer serving you so you can finally move forward once and for
1: all welcome to the podcast sarah Thank you so much for having me, Alex. And you used the word schmieler. I'm so glad that you did. Most people cut that out. They're like, no, I know you made this word up. I'm not using it. (laughs) I was so excited that you used it. Yes. Um, Thank you for having me. I am so excited for this conversation.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this because I'm all about spiritual healing, self-growth, personal development. A lot of the stuff that... In healing, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm willing to work out. I'm willing to eat healthy. What I'm not willing to do is like do the work and do that deep <laughs> work that really makes a difference. So, hopefully, yeah. people listening, this will be a big key to unlocking their overall well being. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm in great
1: company. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited to chat. But first, I want people to get to know you and just know you on a deeper level. I know you had a big career shift. So if we could talk about your personal story, talk about that and how you got into this field in the first place would be awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so my background, uh, if if you've read it, um, obviously, you know that it was in professional sports. So like, polar offset very different um, sides of the spectrum than um helping people heal the emotional spiritual mental barriers in their in uh in their psyche um but when i was in grade 8 i decided i was going to work for the nike headquarters so i had everything planned out i had mentors i had someone at nike i was being guided along the path and that led me to working in a number of professional football organizations here in canada um, across the country so i was doing um marketing and corporate Partnerships, that sort of thing, and I think on the surface everything looked pretty good. Um, I was awarded a top five under twenty-five to watch in the sports industry across Canada. Um, I was being reached out to and and approached um, to work for other uh, teams and league head offices, Um, and you know, again, on the surface things looked really good. Promising career, great. Um, And anyone who has followed a bit on my journey or or have has heard me speak on the subject, they'll know that every single morning I woke up deeply unfulfilled, um, severely lonely and isolated. Um, I, I used the word borderline depressed before, but I have, I have embraced that it was actually a very deep and prolonged dark depression I was in
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and a constant state of just like, what is the purpose of, of all of this? Um, I, I, without having the worth of the time, I would say there was um, a deep self-loathing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, that eventually led to a health crisis, a uh, number of severe anxiety attacks, one that left me vomiting, shaking, sobbing uncontrollably uh, on the floor of a, a yoga studio change room. Um, and kind of a waking up of, okay, if this is what, A, if this is what success looks like, I don't want it. But B, if this is what success looks like, I wouldn't even be able to survive it. Mm-hmm. So that set me on this long-winded journey of, okay, who is there? What do I want my life to be about? Right? Existential. Um, and that, uh, that led me to um, learning about the field of coaching. So I obtained my certification, um, and my practice did quite, quite well. After the first year and a half, it was, um, you know, I I had doubled what tripled what my previous careers were. So again, on the surface, yeah, I'm doing now I have the, the environment. Um, I'm not in, you know, a, maybe a, um, a male dominated space, I have time to heal, I'm working on myself, I'm, Um, I'm helping making a difference. And all of a sudden, all the same patterns started reappearing,
2: Mm.
1: emerging. Um, And so it was back into, um, again, this like this self-loathing is that, well, okay, now it's an even bigger existential thing of, well, if it's not this, and like, well, you know, what, what am I, And what am I doing? Um, And why can't, you know, every single time I check the box, why do I feel a quick temporary fulfillment before going back to the unfulfilled and unhappy state that I was in before? So it was like, I'm missing something. And so my partner at the time um, said to me, Sarah, I I know this guy, Uh, he saved my friend's life. Um, He's a professional hockey player, uh, severe concussions, all sorts of things, Um, saved his life. He's changed my life. I don't know what he does, but why don't you reach out to him? So that led me to flying, booking a flight, flying down to Boston, where I'm meeting this guy. I have no idea who he is. I have no idea what he does. I have zero expectations, zero understanding. Only a level of trust and willingness um, that I can't do this clearly on my on my own. I'm, I'm missing something. I need some help. So, um, like I had perfected for the previous several years, um, I had perfected the. Uh, smile on my face of yep yeah, I'm fine I'm doing great um and hiding the inner torment that I was living with on a daily basis so I remember walking into this space and we laugh at it now um uh we, we rib each other a lot but I was expecting you know the seven foot this big boisterous human being with that whatever and he was the short, Bald. He had this this tacky uh, Hawaiian shirt on. He was wearing khaki shorts and sneakers. Uh, he, he he makes fun of me just as much. Um, and I remember the first thing he said to me was, um, "How long have you been fooling yourself, or how long have you been fooling people with a smile on your face that doesn't reach your eyes?" Whoa! And initially, my back is up against the wall. I'm angry. How dare this guy? Who is this guy? And I'm about to leave, grab my booklet and leave. And in that second, I just began to weep. And it was just all of these emotions coming up of like, actually, maybe for the first time ever feeling seen, maybe for the first time feeling like I didn't have to hide parts mm-hmm. of who I was and what was actually going on and, and continuing to have to put on this um, fake persona to the world. In order to be loved, to be approved, to feel validated, whatever. So, we had spent eight hours, we spent the next eight and a half hours of diving into um, all of these moments in time that contributed to shame, guilt, other disempowering emotions, Mm -hmm. Um, things that whether I had done to others out of hurt or other people had done to me had led to compromising my truest and highest self, my true sense of self, um, and my true state of empowerment. And so every time, and I actually just wrote about it, I have a Ruthless Tuesdays uh, blog I write weekly. And I just wrote about it this week is every time, everything we uncovered, I kind of glance over and say, okay, it's you know, it's just a matter of time before this guy sends me packing and thinks I'm so fucked up, I'm so beyond help. I'm out of here. Um, and every time he, try, you know, it, he didn't even bat, bat an eyelash. It's like, it doesn't scratch the surface of the top 100 shit that I've heard in my life, right? So it's it was not about um, you know, adding things, changing myself. It was about releasing all of these expectations of who I had to be and almost a sense of forgiving myself. Mm. And that, that forgiveness never needed to happen because I don't believe people are inherently wrong or bad or broken or, or need to be fixed. Um, but we have learned programming or conditioning of the person that we need to be. Um, and expectations that others have of us, expectations that we may have on ourselves, that that can lead to separation from our true essence.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was in doing that work constantly. And I've been working with the guy on and off for seven years more intensely for the last year to two, um, where I just spent 30 days uh, with him every day <laughs> for five to six hours diving into these like Deeply subconscious and um, conscious belief systems we have about ourselves. The more I do, it's the more my own capabilities strengthen um, and helping others release that as well. Um, And so it, it was fundamental shifts that it's when we start to remove and release all of these layers that I believe never had to be there in the first place. Suddenly we know what to do. We feel empowered. We feel a little liberated. We feel more free. There's a deeper sense of calm and peace, a greater sense of self-trust. That starts to shift how we show up in relationships, Um, whether we're willing to receive goodness and pleasure and love in our life, whether we're willing to um, treat our bodies with more love, um, whether we're willing to have respectful conversations or trusting our voice to speak up and have courageous conversations, asking or demanding for more respect and love. So I I believe, and again, a long-winded way of answering your question, (laughs) my journey led to believe that shame and guilt are two of those fundamental internal things that keep people in disempowering and unwanted circumstances.
0: Mm. You said a lot of really awesome stuff just within your story. And I'm wondering if you can speak on this just from personal experience, but also as a coach of... A lot of people feel so stuck and just, like you said, deeply unfulfilled, deep, that deep self-loathing. So why are we so comfortable staying there until this huge something happens, like a huge shift in our health? Like you said, that for you, it was that moment of anxiety where you were throwing up in the yoga studio change room. And why does it take that big thing to happen for all of a sudden for us to want to shift? Why do we feel so comfortable just being so deeply unfulfilled, depressed, self-loathing, all that type of stuff?
1: I don't believe that many of us know a different way.
0: Mm.
1: So um, a woman... A woman that I work with, she and you know this this will tie into more of our our conversation here. But um, at a very young age, um, she has a mother who was a beautiful model. Many people know her mom's name. Um, and at a very young age, she learns that her looks, her appearance, is what contributes to attention, to validation, to love, to approval. Every human being is driven by a basic set of human needs to feel loved, feel approved, feel validated, often by the most influential people in our lives. I mean, parents, lovers, partners, friends, coaches, siblings, whatever, um, religious institution, you know, all sorts of things. And so we will cross any illogical border or line in order to have those needs being met. And it's completely subconscious. Our subconscious is what's driving our actions and behaviors. So um, her mom, you know, she she's growing up and um, her mom, again, and I'll get into this in a, in a second, but it's not about being judgmental or making anyone wrong because her mother is only giving her love in the way that she received love. We, we can only love people in the way that we know how, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so her mom being a, a famous model, um, you know, this is what worked. This is what I taught. This is how, um, I was approved. I was validated. This is how I made money. This is how, um, I was loved by my husband, you know, so she will of course only teach what, what she knows how. So it's never about making a judgment. Um, so fast forward a few years, all of a sudden, um, she starts getting, she starts seeing post-it notes around the house. In the cupboards, on the in the pantry, the fridge. I'm um, asking questions. Are you sure you want this? Labeling the caloric count, um, saying you know, one second on your lips, forever on your hips, that sort of thing. Uh, okay, clear message. I need to adapt and mold because, um, in order to receive love, approval, validation, this is what I need to do. It doesn't make logical sense. Subconscious so is not driven by logic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward a couple of years. Okay. Well, now there's a bit of guilt. There's that, Okay. Well, she's a kid. She likes to Okay. Well, um, maybe she does not have the the body type that her mom or society or the industry um, approves of. Her mom takes her to the doctor's office. Uh, you know, I think she's fat. I think she's overweight. What do you think? That yeah, she could probably lose some weight. So again, we're seeing it's a layer after layer thing where we reach that boiling point right? We reach anxiety attack, we reach bulimia, we reach anarchy, we reach the vice of escapism, um, alcoholism, addictions, divorce, death, depression, disease, whatever it is. The actual surface level symptom doesn't matter. It's all of the layers over time that has built up to this point. And our society does a great job of treating the surface level symptom, okay? If we just pluck the woman out, if we just take away the food, if we just cut up her credit card so she can't buy the food that she binges, if we just throw into, um, you know, whatever detox program, wonderful. We've taken away the, the problem. We have solved the solution. Hallelujah, she stopped eating. We'll sit down with her. We'll actually watch her her intake. This will be great, solved. And we have failed to recognize and draw awareness to all of the layers that have built up over time that separates oneself from realizing they've never had to change, be fixed, be adapted, or or anything else in order to be enough. Your worth is that long before any of us were conceived. Our only responsibility is to claim it. No one externally can dictate that for us. And it's when we attempt to dictate or to have our love or validation approved sought by something external, it will never be satiated and it will never be enough because it constantly comes back to us having to change ourselves. Mm. So that was a (laughs) a lot of stuff there.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's a couple of things you said about just that's unlocking some things for me too, that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm we fail to heal the layers Mm -hmm. is a big one. And yeah, we treat a lot of the surface level stuff. Same with, you know, a lot of even in, you know, let's say nutrition is just, oh, you have gut health issues. We'll focus on healing your gut health instead of, well, you know, there's like lots of emotions in the gut, like going layer by layer by layer by layer, which takes time. And a lot of people nowadays too, I find just want things
1: to happen really quick. Yep. Yep. Quick fix. Quick I just one size fits all approach.
0: Yeah, I just you know I don't want to talk about the issue with my mother or the things like that. I just want to take a detox tea, starve myself to lose the weight instead of actually talking about you know different emotional eating and stuff like that. And so that's unlocking mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot for
1: sure. Mm-hmm. And and it's everywhere too, right? We look at um, and when you talk about the spiritual, you know, it's spiritual crises. This is a spiritual crisis. Right, Mm -hmm. and so when you look at, um, and I'm not going to get into you know politics around gun rights or anything like that. When you look at um, any violent act, is rooted in shame. Mm -hmm. You know, um, any yes, we can say okay, well, it's mental health, it's all of these things, and and some, and again, I'm not saying what's right, wrong, or the other. People want to take away guns. Okay, got it. But again, that's dealing with the surface level symptom of what were all of the layers that contributed to the point. That someone is in such a state of inner torment and shame that they have now led the the surface level is just then enacting harm on others. And the piece that we miss is with shame and and guilt being two of those um, fundamental emotional states that are the most disempowering, it will naturally, it can only manifest itself outwards in either harm towards others or harm towards ourselves. And I think that's the piece that we miss is we don't consider the harm towards ourselves the high expectations, the lack of forgiveness, the like, you know, dragging ourselves through the wire just to you know, be enough, that is rooted in shame as well. It shame doesn't discriminate. It impacts everyone. Um, and unfortunately, we are that society that wants to deal with the surface level. What's a pill, what's a quick fix? it's it's yeah. no wonder what, you know, we'll we'll we don't need to again hash this out. <laughs> people who win lottery, uh, lottery winners. Um, several of them, uh, an incredibly high percentage actually go back to the state that they were in financially um, or declare bankruptcy. Because again, we haven't dealt with the underlying cause of I am unworthy of abundance
0: mm-hmm. or money is
1: a bad thing or whatever story they tell themselves. Big time. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. There. I mean, we could dive deep, but I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Glad
0: you <laughs> stay on track. <laughs> to talk more about this guilt and shame. Yeah and because for a lot of people they're words that we just throw around we don't really consider the deep meaning behind them and a lot of times it's also used interchangeably Mm -hmm. so if we could talk about you know what it means the differences things like that that would be awesome yes so
1: you're asking the difference between guilt and shame yeah 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 so i think um uh a number of people when they hear about my work or they reach out to me and say, Oh, do you know, Brené Brown? Um, Right. She she talks a lot about um, areas of shame. And so I think through that there's been a popularized definition of shame means I'm a bad person. Guilt means I did a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. I think what we're missing in that is actually what um, is all wrapped up in. I am a bad person because most Mm -hmm. people with that definition we say, well, I don't associate I don't identify with that. That doesn't resonate with me. I'm I'm a good person. I'm I'm not violent. I don't shoot people. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm great. Um, and we don't actually make the connection and the link between bad person can also um equate to I'm unworthy of love. Mm. I am unworthy of goodness. I have to change in order to be enough. Because simply saying bad, that doesn't capture everything that's wrapped up in that. It's because anything, any, again, like I said, anything that leads to a violent, harmful, you know, infidelity, all of these things, it's rooted in a, um, it's a deep sense of inner shame of I'm unworthy of love, it can lead to sabotage, you can do, you know, it's bypassing or not being aware of the harm that we could inflict on others with our decisions. So if we go back to the woman, um, if you were to ask her, are you a bad person? She'll mm-hmm. say no, I'm not, you know, I'm gonna probably die got a nice career, I got a nice man, you know, but um, but what we're what we're failing to see is still in her mind, the love that she's open and willing to receive is conditional. Her mm-hmm. worthiness, her fundamental power, um her self-esteem, um, um, whether or not she's deserving to be loved is conditional and contingent contingent on the fact of her appearance, and that has shame all over it, because anything again that points to something external that says I'm not again at our core, our core essence, and I know what you know. We can dive into stuff about the innocence of a child, but um, the innocence of a child, it's before all of the um, the misconceptions start to take form in our psyche. Um, at our core, when we're born, our core innocence is you know we're we're nothing but unconditional love. Mm-hmm. right where it doesn't matter um the race it doesn't matter the color it doesn't matter the gender it doesn't matter who you know you can you can see it with kids Just shame that the the belief systems and support belief systems hasn't yet taken hold it's only then when we learn other belief systems from people whether it's through um hatred or bigotry or whatever it is that's where we start to be a bit you know that innocence then gets compromised
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and so yeah so that that link of I'm a bad person um, versus the I did a bad thing like guilt, I say there's not actually a huge difference. They are the two most or the most fundamental um, um, disempowering motions that keep us in those unwanted states of ultimately, I don't deserve goodness. I'm not enough exactly as I am. I must change in order to um, feel a value with my existence. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So would you say guilt is a bit more temporary compared to shame that has those deep roots, lots of layers, lots of
1: emotions that are related to that? I think that they will both haunt us for life unless awareness is drawn to them. Okay. So um, again, we can go back to to this example. Um, this woman is equally ridden with guilt as she is shame um, in that she was never she did she never looked like her mom mm. um, guilt and that I ate that cookie guilt and that I ate that cake guilt and that um, I will never be able to fit into those jeans that she wants mm-hmm. um, So I don't even necessarily think that it's it's important to differentiate between the two because both of them are rooted in a separation of actually, our fundamental power and worthiness. Mm -hmm. And, and so it doesn't, I mean, again, it, it, it either, either could be detrimental to someone for the rest of their life.
0: Absolutely. And I'm curious, I love that you're giving examples because I'm sure a lot of people, especially with the diet related, can relate to that. But how else can shame and guilt manifest in the body? Does it show up in any physical signs and symptoms? How does it manifest?
1: Yeah. Um, So, like we talked about, it's layers. And so, we don't often wake up to it until we reach um, that boiling point. And so to answer your original question, um, I think that's just when people are forced to look at it. It doesn't matter. Someone could say, hey, I'm kind of feeling a bit unworthy today. What is this? And explore it and just question it and and change that fundamental belief system in the moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But for many of us, we're taught, okay, it's you know this hustle culture. We just have to keep on forcing, keep on pushing our way through. Um, and if there's a problem, it's me. It's because I'm not doing enough.
3: Mm -hmm. so
1: um yes i see it it impact absolutely anything from um you know our the way that we love our bodies right um how and and again it's not about limiting yourself of you know cake and cookies and all it's not about that it's it it's the guilt associated because when you're in a state of guilt when you're in a state of shame um that is when we start to seek out vices of escapism or numbing the pain as opposed to if we stop making ourselves wrong there's only a natural tendency of starting to the opposite or not the opposite in in the absence of shame and guilt there is only love meaning we start to love our body even more so it's yeah i'm gonna enjoy the shit out of this it's gonna be so great i love it and and that's it whereas a lot of us oh you know what i'm gonna have to go to the gym i'm gonna have to do this this is this it's a state of guilt and then. You know, we further do more acts or behaviors that drive that self loathing, self judgment, self hatred, which then can obviously manifest as disease, as, um, you know, various other things. So, yes, uh, I think physical symptoms, like we talked about, you know, it, it can be absolutely anything. Um, and it doesn't necessarily just have to be about um, food. I know, you know, a woman. And this is a, an extreme example, but through so many layers in her life, she was in these various states of guilt of um, people constantly have to take care of me and um, I don't want to be a burden. And that's what can prevent a lot of us from reaching out, you know, if we're just not doing well, if we're having an off day, there's guilt in I don't want to take up space or I'm not worthy to take up space to even ask for or receive help. So she's losing a lot of weight. Um, she's feeling more and more sick, but she's dealt with decades of guilt and shame of taking up space in the world. All mm-hmm. of a sudden to the point of where she's forced to go in and, and have this looked at. She finds out that she has stage four cancer. Untreatable. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a medical doctor or not, or not, I don't want to say untreatable. I'm saying um, for her, it, it was very late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not here to say, had she gone in quicker or anything else, but what I can say, and only through her own validation and confirmation of this is, um, it was shame that prevented me from actually seeking support earlier on.
0: I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. It goes deep. It goes so much. and, And if more people in the world were aware of the visible and invisible largely ways that um, shame can destroy lives, health, relationships, communication, anything else. Um, we could we could shift the trajectory of the health in this world.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's goes a lot. that goes so deep. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so I can totally see how it can manifest in all sorts of different physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, I feel like it has legs and it'll just like latch onto the body if you let it. So before we get into tips and tricks and all that, (laughs) there's another question that just popped up as you're speaking about this Yeah, is why do some people experience that shame and that guilt with everything they do? You mentioned, you know, like the food or the cookie. Like I know a lot of people, especially I coach uh, mostly mostly women and females. And so a lot of it is, you know, the, if they want a cookie, you know, and they're on their period and they're craving chocolate, and then all of a sudden they feel so guilty that they ate that chocolate and they're like, well, now I need to go to the gym, you know, and terrified to gain weight or, you know, whatever it is. So one, why do a lot of people feel that with every single thing they do? And is it, I know you said there's layers. Is there a point where it kind of starts? Is it does it start with how we're raised, nature versus nurture? What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this one's big. Um, and this is why my work is fundamentally different from um, other programs. <laughs> and, and some people call me batshit crazy with the, the type <laughs> of work that I do. Um, but, but yes, it's all of those layers over time that start. It can start, you know, pre-birth, even. Mm, generation, the the shame. Oh, generations, generations. Like I said, with this, this woman and her mom, um, that was generational shame that Mm -hmm. she was passing on working with a a daughter for quite some time. And, and the shifts that she's been making in her own sense and stepping into her sense of self-empowerment, her mom was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. And her mom started working with me. I have an opportunity. We have an opportunity of actually healing generational shame. And that's one of the most beautiful things that I hear from clients is, um, you're helping me you're helping me heal this generational shame. So I will not unconsciously pass this on to my children. It's all, it is all rooted in generations because we have to learn it from somewhere. Not saying that it's parents. And again, it's not placing judgment on, um, you know, that mother, for example, because again, we can only do, we can only teach and only love in the ways that we are taught to love and, and the ways that we receive love. Um, so it's layers and layers upon layers If people, if people realized, I think they'd give themselves a lot more grace and compassion when they realize what they're up against. You know, how many new year's resolutions are out the window by January 4th. And then we beat ourselves up and we're angry and we're not realizing actually there's years, decades, sometimes generations of unworthiness, not enoughness, self-judgment, all of these things that have led, um, to this moment where, I just do not necessarily have the life force, the energy to actually move towards this goal, And it's not to create a sense of, you know, oh my gosh, am I never going to be able to get it? Absolutely not. The first step it is, it is about that awareness and more grace and compassion with, with what I guess conditioning um, has created in the first place. So um, and circle back, Alex, what is your question? Because I forgot completely. <laughs> I had a really good answer. I had a really good one.
0: So circle back on this. (laughs) Why do some people experience that shame and
1: guilt with everything? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, Uh, so here's here's a good one. Um, A woman, so when you're talking about, yes, I remember it. Thank you. Um, So this woman, um, when she was born, uh, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Her mother still to this day blames it on the woman. Lost a part of myself, I lost a breast, I, you know, all of this. Um, this is ultimately because of the child. Um, the father, um, because mm-hmm. his his wife, you know, was sick, he actually seeks comfort in the arms of another woman. So now this woman has a fundamental belief that A, my existence caused sickness for my mom, doesn't love me. B, led to the destruction of the family unit. See, led to, you know, the breakup of yes, the, the happiness of love and, and ultimately led my mom to, you know, being denied the love of her life. So all of this thing, all all of it. So it doesn't even matter where that shame there's, there's shame and guilt with both of that. There's shame that I'm bad. I'm not worthy of love, but there's also guilt that I was even born. So when you talk about the inter, you know, it's interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is no surprise that, Um, When this woman is encountered with goodness in her life, there's a natural reaction to sabotage it. Mm -hmm. There is an unwillingness to, you know, from the the bedroom. Um, She's encountered some men that haven't always been respectful in the bedroom and intimacy or whatever. But in her mind, it's, I'm not worthy to speak up. We we may not have the words, but I don't trust myself or I don't think that I actually deserve Something that is more, be- he's enough, he's good enough. I should just be grateful for it. Mm. Um, in her business, she does not charge what she's worth. Um, so she diminishes herself a bit more. She doesn't have the economics that she desires. Um, so she comes to me to to shift things in her business. She's like, Sarah, if you just teach me some marketing tips and tricks. And I was like, oh, lady, okay, let's dive in, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. This goes way deeper than marketing tricks. And so what happens is as we start to get to the core of all this and release all these layers, right? It doesn't matter if it's marketing, if it's intimacy, if it's business, if it's health, if it's how she treats her body, um, her friendship, her ability to connect and to show up fully and authentically with her female friends. Um, It is all rooted in this underlying belief system of my existence led to pain. Wow. And so when that starts to be removed, the girl can market like a genius, Mm-hmm. right? Her economics are changed, her health has changed, or, you know, she's telling men to like, you know, stay down until the job is done, when they're in the bedroom, it, <laughs> it just, it doesn't matter, the, the woman's unstoppable now, <laughs> but it's rooted in, well, a- and acknowledging and accepting, I belong, I'm enough, I'm worthy, mm-hmm. and I actually don't need, and, and again, it's not a judgment towards the mother, the father, anything, because there was so much guilt and shame wrapped up in in someone who can then blame the existence of their child. Mm -hmm. We can't judge it. That woman had, her mother had so many layers. She just didn't, you know, she, she didn't have the opportunity. She didn't have someone in her corner um, to help her release that burden that she never should have been carrying in the first place. And then that's how it gets passed on.
0: That's a lot. And I know a lot of people, that's not a unique situation. I know a lot of people have been born into situations where you know the parents didn't want them or whatever it is so this just unlocked a couple other questions of I know a lot of people in situations like that especially that example take that and that becomes their identity you know it's my fault that my parents did this it's my fault that I was unwanted and that becomes their identity in life and then like Mm -hmm. you said it You know then branches out into i'm not worthy of money and all that stuff so my question is why is it easier for us to hate ourselves into doing something than it is to doing it lovingly like an example let's say fitness wise working out because you deserve to treat your body well versus i need to hate myself into going to the gym
1: to lose weight why is it easier to hate ourselves into doing things Because many of us have been denied the opportunity to come from that place of love.
3: Mm.
1: Many of us have never even experienced true love and worthiness, a moment in time where you can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, damn, I look good today. And just every part of you is in just deep love and reverence of the human being that you are, that nothing needs to change
0: that is so sad that makes me emotional that makes me mm-hmm. want to cry that
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of people don't feel mm-hmm. that stuff and
1: wow and it's not hard to see why right just like you and and that this is what drives everything that i do is it's it's not just about the individual it's you know some of my greatest joy is in shifting you know working with a gentleman who saw an incredibly dysfunctional um I do a lot of work with men's groups. I do a lot of work with, with men and mm-hmm. cause they, you know, this is generalization, but many men have never had the psychological safety, even in their relationships to be able to be what they deem as weak, mm-hmm. but to be vulnerable, to work on their own healing. So they muscle through, they power through it. It emerges in rage and anger. It's not a surprise why a lot of the, the terrorism, the school shootings, a lot of things, what we see are men. Again, I won't go down that road. <laughs> another, another podcast for another day. Um, but so he witnesses this certain state of, quote unquote, love growing up. It's, mm-hmm. it's violent. Um, it's abusive. Um, it's, he learns at a young age, um, I have to be small in order to be enough. I need to not address things. I have to sweep things under the rug. I just have to keep on if if I if I have better grades, if I work out a bit harder, if I um, you know, score a few more goals and soccer and everything out, you know, my mom and dad are gonna be happy. Maybe they'll fight a bit less. We don't have the emotional intelligence at that age to to not take things personally. And so um he has spent decades in dysfunctional relationships because that's what's familiar, that is what's known. So now going through this work, you know, it's, you know, I, I said to him at the very start of our work, well, we'll get used to it. Like careful what you wish for. Cause at, at one point you're going to have like very incredible, um, women who have worked on their own healing, just bang down the door, just like, can't get enough. Right. And so we'd laugh about it. And he's with this incredible woman right now. And I, I had the most touching, um, email I received from her. She's like, thank you for letting him not settle for someone who didn't see him and love him for who he truly was. Wow, And a subsequent email from or in our conversations multiple times, he says, Sarah, you've helped me heal the generations of shame in our family. So this isn't going to go to my son. Mm. He's going to get to witness for the first time in this generation of this family lineage, what a healthy, loving and respectful relationship looks like. And that happens because he had never other, you know, we want to, we want to believe it deep down. There's a, it, again, it's, it's our highest truth. When you talk about spiritual crisis, it's like our body knows or it thinks that knows, okay, this sounds, I know something more beautiful is possible, but I've just never witnessed it. I've never seen it. So it's hard to trust. Mm-hmm. So then we remain in the disempowering situation because we think that's the best it's going to get.
0: That's huge. That is absolutely huge. So since we're on the topic, I want to dive a little bit deeper into yes. generational trauma. So my question for you is, does everybody need to heal their trauma, heal their inner child, um, in order to overcome these big blocks of guilt and shame? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, nobody has to do anything. Nobody has to do anything. Don't, you know, work with a schmieler, don't work Don't work with a schmieler, it's your call. Um, something that my mentor taught me is, um, he, he said this early on, and he said, Sarah, the hardest part about this job is knowing that you can help someone and not having the chance. Mm. And the two greatest, it's, for me, it's it's wild to see. Because again, um, and I, we haven't dove into this, but I do these full days. Sometimes two days, people have the courage to come back. <laughs> and then my work is, it's, it's more regular touch point. So we're connecting every week. Um, I'm on call, I'm in someone's corner, I'm in someone's life when these shame spirals stop to, or start to occur. So we can nip them in the butt before people spend weeks, you know, months in a state of shame. So again, I have vastly different, a different approach to um, coaching. I don't, again, I call it shaming, not coaching. Um, but the two greatest barriers that I've seen that prevent people from stepping into more empowered state of being or to heal these layers is not the finances it's not the energy it's not the time it will take or anything it's um willingness yeah willingness it's the idea or the fear that um what will i lose who will i lose or what parts of myself will i lose if i become more empowered and so some people pride ego um those more disempowering emotions they're so strong some people go to their deathbed refusing to acknowledge that there's any areas that they need to heal um, or caring about healing it's what what good will it do i just need money that's that's our measurement of success our benchmark of success in society um some people don't want to actually look in the mirror and say, and this is part of also a key part of my work is it's not just about, well, what are the areas that you're in that your your own empowerment is being violated, but it's also having the courage to look in the mirror and say, well, where are my layers of shame and guilt and my own in, inadequacies and my lack of self-worth causing other people to be disempowered?
2: Hmm.
1: And there's great courage in, in cleaning up the the crap that we all have from our past. I'll give you an example. I I love this story. Well, I hate this story, but I also love it. Um, uh, and you'll see why. Um, but, you know, this woman, uh, she meets this man. He's loved her life, her soulmate. Um, and so they finally have sex. They're intimate. Okay. They're lying in bed together. They're holding each other. She's like, it was everything she had hoped it would be. Um, she looks up into his eyes and he opens his mouth. Um and she's wondering, oh, my gosh, is he going to say these three words, right? Like, this is it. This is the good stuff. And he says the words, we got to get you on a program. We got to beefing up this booty in her most vulnerable, right? She's nude. Um, yeah. Notice it's after the fact. It's, <laughs> she's not saying that before. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, we had been working together for a bit of time that she had the self-trust to say, if you ever talk about my body that way, it will be the last time you ever see it. The relationship didn't last long. He was temporarily, you know, his behavior was temporarily. But, But again, there's deep layers of shame that this man is carrying in to actually get to a point where he could, you know, cause harm on another human being. He loves mm-hmm. her. Mm -hmm. He thought she was her soulmate and we don't realize that it was his own layers of shame that actually caused her, that could actually prevent her from actually stepping into her greater sense of empowerment and sense of worth and her highest and truest sense of self. Um, She couldn't remain in that container without Mm -hmm. compromising the Mm -hmm. self-worth that she had worked so hard to reconnect to and come back to. And so we don't realize that again, shame can invisibly or visibly destroy relationships. but despite her saying, "Hey, I got a schmeler. Why don't you check her out?" <laughs> she could, you know, I was like, no, I'm I'm not the problem. And that's what shame can actually do is in that lowering or that lower, more disempowered states. Often, what we will b- believe is that the problem is outside of us. So I don't have the money. It's the weather. It's the politics. It's the political situation. Whatever it is, um, without taking accountability and responsibility for the own our own stuff that we have to clean up. There's no problem too big in this world that couldn't be solved with every single human being cleaning up their own crap. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember your question, but it was a great conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I have a million more questions. (laughs) It just reminds me of something I saw online of, because I'm always, you know, looking to grow personally, um, you know, self-development. I love all that stuff. And I can't remember if I heard it on a podcast or online somewhere, but when someone says you can't do something, which has happened to, I know me, a lot of people, especially in either relationships or school setting for me specifically, I had a teacher that said, you're not smart enough mm-hmm. to do this. Luckily my personality, cause I'm so stubborn. I was I was like, watch me. But mm-hmm. for some people, who say you can't do something you can't you know make the money you want to make or you can't do something i learned that instead of thinking of it like putting a limit on yourself it's their limit that they're trying to put on you because they don't they don't see beyond that so you know it was them putting a limit on themselves versus for me i was like i know that's not my limit watch mm-hmm. me show you that my limit is well beyond that And so, but that takes a lot, because for someone who has struggled a lot with people telling them they're not worthy their whole life, hearing something like that just keeps putting a cap on you, putting a cap on you. So
1: um, I don't think I have a question there, just a comment on that. And it's a great comment. And I would even rephrase that, that's you being stubborn as you being dialed into your fundamental power. Mm. I like that more. Right? Cuz again, <laughs> one shames you for actually trusting yourself and your own power.
3: And mm-hmm. we don't even
1: realize it, right? It's all well, women are stubborn or like women, you know, they're allowed, you know, whatever sort of um dialogue has been created around ambitious women, right? There's a lot of guilt and shame mm-hmm. wrapped in that. Um and the way uh, um one of my favorite authors, Dr. David Hawkins, um he talks about how a child's innocence, um, if we can describe kind of the the consciousness of the innocence of the child as anything, say we describe it as the hardware of a computer. Mm -hmm. Um, So in its core, in its natural innate state, it is one of innocence. It is the software that has been programmed over time. So I do not believe that any human being is defective. I do not believe that any human being is born by accident or is incapable of healing. Some people say, Oh, that's a sociopath. They're born that way. They're a lost cause. No, 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 no. There it, you know, uh, our, our hardware is, is always there untampered with the innocence of a child and whether it is, it could be preconception like that, that woman who, you know, she's, she's sick um, or other people, you know, I know that, um, uh, Just like you said, there's a number of people like there is severe fear or regret if they are carrying a child at times. Energetically, I believe that there is something that, you know, that child can pick up on that. I'm naturally unwanted before I even come out. Okay. Um, So, you know, all of these things can happen. And it's over time that then we're programmed with different types of hardware. We can take out that software and program something new. You put in a CD, it's it's hateful, it's vengeful, it's bigoted, it's whatever it is. Okay, well, that is what that child will grow into. Um, And so kind of going back to your story, it's those people, they just had a different software downloaded in them than you did. And realizing how deep those layers go or just how influential the person that downloaded that software in their system is, Um, it's not as easy as saying, you know, believe in yourself, you can do anything. But in our natural childlike innocence, anything, we live in a world of possibility. We live in a world of unconditional love, of connection, of non-judgment, of creativity, of inspiration. The world is literally our oyster. And it's just it's what's over time. So um, I would I would say that uh, you were probably gifted with a healthier uh, and more supportive and more empowering software than those people. And and to be honest, a lot of people are unwell in the world, right? Spiritually, mentally, physically, psychologically. Um, again, we can only love and teach in the way what in the way that we were taught, or the way that we were loved. And so that's why we see a lot of unwell. Mm-hmm. people then coming up in, in future generations
0: absolutely there is no doubt that because of that situation i have a super supportive mom who was like mm-hmm. you got this if you want to take university classes and study science i support you wholeheartedly 100 but i know had i been in a different family or a different situation it could have ended up totally different had it right. you know. Had he said that to a different person who came from a, a family who was also constantly saying, you're unworthy of love. There is no unconditional
1: love here, all that type of stuff. So,
0: yeah.
1: or money doesn't grow on trees or um, you're not going to be able to save for retirement if you do your own business or it, the belief systems are so powerful so early on. Yeah. Right. And it, again, it's our unconscious or our subconscious that that drives the, or that steers the ship. We and it and it's very challenging to muscle through without then actually getting awareness of what those yes they maybe served us at one time, um, but when we don't realize that actually by challenging this belief system this could threaten fundamentally the love and approval and acceptance from the most influential people in my life. I know many people who don't want their loved ones to be to step into states of empowerment because it. Triggers the unworthiness in them. Yikes! Right? Yeah. So oh people remain small so they don't make other people uncomfortable.
0: That's the. I'm sure that happens a lot. Oh yeah, a lot. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And on this topic of relationships, mm-hmm. I want to dive deeper into. So if someone has family, friends, if they're in a, a intimate relationship. That's not serving them and holding them back. What is something that you would suggest to that person? I'm sure you come in contact with this in your coaching all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the most challenging part is the, like I said, often stepping into a more, a more empowered state can come at a cost. Mm. It's who will we lose? What friendships, what relationships, what love and approval? I've seen people would rather, like I said, go to their deathbed not talking to their sibling because their sibling chose to um seek health in an alternative route versus getting treatments by a medical facility. That pride actually, nope, you did it the wrong way, even though you're alive, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I have seen people who have experienced um assault at the hands of family members fathers loved ones um and have their own family members prevent them from actually going forward to the police and so the two areas that i can that i have witnessed is <clears throat> yes the romantic relationship because some people don't want you know if if someone else is becoming empowered does that mean that they will outgrow me, which can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who is so deeply rooted in their own sense of empowerment, and their own sense of self, um, will understand that this person may have to go on to a spiritual journey, a journey back to self, a journey to their, you know, whatever that is. And it may not include me. And I have to not take that personally. I have to not make that about me. And it may lead to grief and, and hurt. That is a true person or a person who is truly in a state of empowerment. That can say that, as a because the the um, opposing option is keep making this person small and not feeling worthy and not feeling you know you can't do that. You're never going to be able to achieve that. Why would you go back to school? Well, we're thinking about found We're doing this. You know it. What do you think? You're smart. You think you you're better than anyone. You, you know that's going to be way too much money. All of the things, um, and would rather again them stay. I, I hear that a lot. Well, my loved one says they've changed and they, they like the old version. Right. And it's like, well, that's great. But I didn't even know that old version. I didn't know this version existed (laughs) because I've never had the opportunity to be empowered. So like either you're in it or you're not. Um, But it, it, it also, you know, it, it, it's absolutely, it's a scary thing. And going back to um, my one client the gentleman who had to go through or navigate um, a period of time of ambiguity of trust. That even though I have never witnessed a more powerful, more loving, more supportive relationship, someone that wants to see me expand into a more empowered state or expand my consciousness level or, um, you know, doesn't want to blame me for everything, even though I haven't witnessed that, I must trust that something more beautiful is available.
0: Absolutely. the I love what you said about being in an empowered state comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. Because I know some people are not willing to accept that cost. If it's, you know, we're still hanging out with our high school friends, even though they're not serving us and they're trying to keep us small, or, you know, we're still in that relationship that's keeping us small that we know we should leave. And so, yeah, it sounds like relationships play a huge part. And of course, I'm sure that comes with a lot of Realizing, you know, when you're ready or not, and and everybody gets to choose at which point they're ready to accept
1: that cost and make that shift. Do you work with all? Yeah, and sorry, no. if I can add one more thing to that, it's all when mm-hmm. when you think about it, it all goes back to um, in a more empowered state. You seek or you find the love, the worthiness, the approval, and the validation within yourself. If we're constantly needing that to be met from someone externally it will be very challenging to step into a more empowered state if we need permission from other people to become empowered we likely will not become empowered i see this with people even you know not wanting to delete certain folks off of their social media accounts right it's well no because then you know the, it will be uncomfortable or or people won't like me or i won't receive as much approval whatever we don't even think of it it's like my politeness or my desire to be liked mm-hmm. is driving this decision um, and so, like I said, I see it with, um, intimate partners and families, but there's also a, a, an even bigger layer of, does it come at a cost of, um, the tribal unit self-esteem meaning. So it's going back, you know, the gentleman I work with, um, abuse, sexual abuse ran in the family, um, when he wanted to come forward and to challenge this, um, and to go to the police, uh, it was his own his own family members that prevented him from doing so. And so they were willing to sacrifice his sense of empowerment, his sense of safety, because it came at the cost of the reputation
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the self-esteem of the tribal unit. We see this in religious institutions, we see this on the news with you know, Olympic teams, of, of a lot of sporting teams, trainers, everything. Um, but it but that happens so much more often than what we're aware within the family dynamic as well. We must keep someone small. We must silence. We must do anything because the alternative means that the tribal unit self esteem is um, is threatened.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and and then on on the flip side, it takes incredible strength and courage to say the the fundamental you know the fundamental way that I received love and approval and validation. Um, I may lose this by me stepping into my empowerment, not just romantic partnerships, but families as well. If, if part of stepping into your empowerment is creating more boundaries, um, and a greater sense of safety and separation from the people who have been harming you or potentially violating your own empowerment. Mm
0: -hmm. There's, I mean, there's a lot there. I know we have (laughs) a fundamental... (laughs) We have our basic needs, right? And I know one of our basic needs is the, fundal, the fundamental right to belong.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I'm just curious your thoughts on if we have that need to belong and and, you know, just have that need to not disrupt anything in the tribe. At what point does someone reach that point of, okay, I need to to change. Is there, is that, does that come with spiritual growth or a situation that pushes them over the edge to say, no, I'm putting myself first, even if it is going to disrupt the family dynamic or, you know, belonging in this group? Uh, is there something that
1: does my question make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I wish I had a, um, a better answer other than I don't think that there is any um, any specific um, right or wrong or, or, or way to lead to that path. Mm-hmm. It's different for absolutely everyone. Um, it can be to the point of, you know, again, uh, a more extreme example. Um, But I worked with a woman who was in a very abusive relationship, right? So when her partner came home, um, if he had a bad day, uh, it was her orbital bone that got broken. And so what shifted um, was starting to witness um, things happening to her children. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So her sense of empowerment or her desire to step into a more empowered state. And when I got the call was when she had you know, her, her children started growing up and she started saying, I, I can't have this happen to them. Yeah. So it wasn't enough, her own sense of self-worth or self-love that was non-existent at the time. It wasn't enough in that state for her to actually pick up the phone and say, I need, I need to wear whatever that provided the strength for her. It was when she had others, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I talk, talk a lot about, I just did a podcast yesterday or the other day on like um, how shame impacts our sexuality and, and intimacy. And so I, I talked to a lot of women who, um, you know, suddenly something happens. One girl specific, specifically, she taught me the definition of a fish hook. <laughs> She's intimate with a man. All of a sudden he reaches over, grabs her mouth, kind of pulls it back. I just learned about this term. It's oh, essentially a way to inflict pain. Some people may love it. Again, it's not making anything right or wrong, good or bad. My client did not love it, right? Um, And so she, in her mind, she's like, well, what what did I do to attract this type of, you know, a a situation in which someone feels that inflicting pain um, is pleasurable? This is not something I, and and so starts to realize, okay, well, we start going through all of these layers and layers that have led to this point. Um, Previously, she may have stayed in that, and at the time, she didn't say anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It continued. We worked on it. She, she eventually got her voice back and said, no, I'm not comfortable with this. And again, that relationship isn't still there. It's not to say that relationships can't shift with more courageous conversations. Um, but again, it it varies for every single human being. It's And it usually gets to a point in which, um, I don't even want to say that it's t- because it can be one sense or one act of where your empowerment can be violated or it can be multiple. Right. So for that woman, the kicker was okay. One fish hook. That's my breaking point. Got it. Mm-hmm. Another one that's well, I've put up with abuse for enough years. Okay. Um, you know, f- for me, like I said, uh, the health crises, um, and that was largely rooted in never feeling enough, never feeling good enough, smart enough, intelligent enough, capable enough. It, don't, it didn't matter what awards I got, it didn't matter who was reaching out to me, um uh what organizations wanted me to interview. It, it didn't matter on the surface when everything looks great. Um mine was just that yeah, health crises that that was layers and layers building up. So I don't know that I actually answered your question. (laughs) I don't think there's like a right or wrong rhyme or it's, there's not a clear cut way of which people, it's whenever suddenly they have the willingness and that's Mm -hmm. all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen is it's not even the size of problem that then leads to people who want to make the change. It's simply the moment in time when they're willing to say no more.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know everybody just leads such different
1: lives. So like
0: mm-hmm. you said, that point can come at a different point, you know, for a different person. I know sometimes if I hear something on a podcast that I really connect with, I'm like, okay, I need to change XYZ habit in my life. And, and you know, because it really hit home with me. But... For someone else listening to that, they might be like, well, that doesn't hit home with me. You know, yeah. so I think it, it just totally depends on the person, the situation, what they're going through, the severity of the situation. Yeah, all that. absolutely. Absolutely. I, do, I have so many. There's just a couple more
3: areas <laughs>
0: <laughs> that I want to How much, much time cover. do we have? <laughs> I know we could talk I know we're we're running out of time but I
1: will come back any anytime I will okay. come back any anytime you want because
0: <laughs> we did not even talk about the intimacy connection which is something that I debated putting some questions in there and I was like that's a whole big conversation like money intimacy yes. worthiness also oh, we'll have to save yes. that. Yeah, but- we can
1: have reoccurring Ask Kishneela or anything segments. <laughs> so you want me back? I'm here,
0: Alex. <laughs> right, because I'm sh- those are areas that I'm interested in. I'm sure everybody listening is interested in. But yeah, yeah. a couple more topics. I want to talk about boundaries. But before we get into that, I just want to ask you a question of why some people feel unfulfilled. When they finally reach that dream career, that dream life, the dream job, why do some people still feel fundamentally unfulfilled when they you know, make that amount of money, get in that relationship,
1: have that job? Because it's not the dream life according to them. Okay. Or our highest and truest version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The one in which never actually required a dream life to feel whole and healthy, and happy, and enough. Um, We are taught, again, to rely on external things, hit these certain benchmarks, get this, you know, marry the guy or marry the woman, have the children, get the house, get the corner office, whatever it is. And one of the number one things I hear from clients is how did I get so off-center? Oh, We've never been taught what even our center is. So when you go back to that software, it's about remembering actually we, you know, at our core, the, the child consciousness, the child innocence, it never needed money. And it's not to say obviously you need the, the, the amount required for survival, um, but I can tell you from working with people who have millions of dollars, um, I've worked with two billionaires before. Money doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. If you still feel deeply, and again, that I, I was that example of where in my mind I had built a successful practice. I'm um, in coaching for the first year. Okay, well, I'm I'm creating meaning. I am I'm giving back, I'm I have the money I thought would make me happy. I have this car, <coughs> excuse me, all those things. Um, but I was so far disconnected from again, still that creating and sourcing that validation and that approval and that worthiness inside of me if if we are and unfortunately this is the society that we live in and this is what we're taught media parents church you know various institutions um, commercials books anything it's sourcing that validation and that wholeness and that worthiness externally Mm. and if that is the state in which we come from we will never be satiated Nothing will ever be enough. So that's why you can get your dream job. I worked with um, an Olympic gold medalist. She's on TV. She gets the gold. They raise her flag. They're doing the national anthem. They're doing all this stuff. And she's just bawling. It's like, wow, she must feel so deeply. All of her dreams, I know, we talk about it after, but I know there's so much inner torment and grief. In her eyes as she's crying. It's not because she's happy. It's because, oh, I achieved everything I thought I wanted. I achieved everything that would make my parents happy that I've spent years upon years focusing on and, and building. And why do I still feel this sense of inadequacy? I still, I still feel this like lack of enoughness. I got what I thought I wanted. And so I think we're all just chasing this false sense of worthiness of validation enoughness. And that's when we are continuing to check all these boxes where we get to the point of like, you know, that, that's where that boiling point can reach despair or depression or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because we did what they, quotes and that whoever they is that's in, that has an um, influence in your life, what they told me would lead to happiness. But no one is telling anyone that that needs to be sourced from within. And no one is te- teaching people how to source it from within. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people who societally deemed overweight, happiest folks in the world. I've seen people who, you know, I've worked with um, women who are fitness models. some on the surface, everyone thinks, oh, they're, they're lucky, they hit the jackpot, they're, you know, they're probably just getting flooded with men that want to, be- some of the most deeply spiritual bankrupt humans in the world.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The people that the folks that I, that's not generalization, that's folks that I work with, um, that shifted again, after the work, because it's that was, again, an example of sourcing externally. So no one is teaching us the how, it's, it, and it's it's like you mentioned early on, it's also subjective. So there are people who literally have no limbs, who experience some of the deepest joy in their life. Yeah. Someone else thinks, oh, the light. my life is over, if that's the case. People who have lost their jobs, have had to declare bankruptcy, all of these other things that have led them on a path of then having to source the validation internally and becoming more fulfilled and more joyful more connected mm-hmm. spiritually you know to god creator source whatever you want to call it the their core essence um and i'll also preface that by saying that there are multi-billion dollar industries that are dependent their existence is dependent their pockets are filled and they are 100 percent driven by the necessity that people remain in a state of disempowerment right so cosmetics plastic surgery you know the whole gamut it's not making anything wrong but the amount of messaging that we have received over time that you will be happy you will have made it if you look xyz there is no reason um or sorry there there's no wonder why we get to that point and we're like, well, wait a sec, right? My one client, if she had gotten a, and you know, initially her thoughts are, oh my gosh, I got to get to the gym, I got to beefing up my booty, yeah, right. And it, you know, I have another client who she calls it her badonkadonk. She's like, <laughs> yeah, my thing's fifty pounds, I can barely get to this. Sometimes I have to turn, turn. right. It's like she's like, she's like, my man cannot get enough of it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, at what point does the booty become too big? It's completely subjective. Super subjective, right? There is no wrong or right or good or bad or any of it. It's it's non-judgmental, non-duality. It's it's we. It's about sourcing the enoughness from within. That is the only sustainable and long-lasting source of joy.
0: Mm-hmm. There's sometimes when I think about what you're saying and I think about the world we live in today, it can really freak me out that a lot we place a lot of value on these external things and we do not place enough value on the internal going within loving ourselves and then when we see someone for instance uh just giving an example there is a um tiktok video that i saw probably about a year ago now and it was a guy who had gotten to uh it was either skiing or snowboarding accident and then became paralyzed from the waist down had to be in a wheelchair and he was the most happy person, was not down on himself whatsoever. And then you have other people who are not feeling secure with themselves, who, you know, comment negative things like if I was in that situation, I could never. How are you this happy? And and it truly is hard to think about sometimes when you think about, you know, the world that we live in where we place a lot of value on having a certain size of booty or, you know, a slim waist or plastic surgery, big lips, smooth forehead, clear skin, the latest technology, et cetera, et cetera. Like that is a lot to think about. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I've worked with women who had, um, breast implants and, um, you know, they get well, do your, do your husbands look at you any, nope, they barely even notice. <laughs> Right. It's not what we think. It is not what we think. Um, some of the greatest compliments I receive from clients is my husband cannot keep his hands off me.
3: Mm-hmm. Don't change
1: anything about just from an energetic level. It's my confidence. It's my self-esteem. It's how I carry myself. Now there's something that just shifts. I love it. I love right. That. Um. Someone who is in a more empowered state wants to see people become more empowered. It's the people that are disempowered or who don't want, you know, those are the people that try to keep others down. And so, yeah, the, you know, the example that you used with the gentleman who became paralyzed, um, people don't want to see that Mm -hmm. because it challenges everything that they previously thought they knew about the world.
2: Mm.
1: It's oh wait a second. So I've never needed money. I've needed this. So all of my belief systems are wrong. They don't want to believe it. So they actually would rather people suffer Mm -hmm. than to say, well, wait, what does this guy have that I'm missing? And that's Mm -hmm. what what my coach said to me early on, or my own mentor said to me early on. Um, He's like, Sarah, you must be willing to challenge every single belief that you've ever had about yourself. I love that. Not the loving ones. He's like, those ones you can keep, but at this time you don't have any. (laughs) like, you don't have any of those ones. Those are the ones we have to work on. Uh, he's like, it's, it's all of the stories of I've never been, I have to constantly look better. I have to you know, we're, we're fascinated by and obsessed by trying to look young. Oh, God! Right? Mm-hmm. right. And so it's like in that in that space, you know, spoiler alert, we're all going to get old and die. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what needs to change our fundamental belief of how beautiful and incredible we are and loving and worthy we are you know, at our core. Yes. And that's why I keep going back. It's it's if we constantly rely on that external validation, it it can never be satiated. Mm -hmm. It will never be enough. Paralyzed guy figured it out, figured it out. And
0: now onto the topic of boundaries, because (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) I mean, this all relates together, like you said, challenging those beliefs. And so if you're growing and, you know, let's say you're outgrowing your friends, um, friendships, different things like that, relationships, career, where do we start to set these boundaries? What's a good place to start if we're growing spiritually, but everyone around us is trying to keep us stuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a great question and without the context, I think, um, also very challenging to answer because they, I I don't want to, um, I don't want to come from any place of naivete that some some situations are deeply unsafe.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: To cause boundaries, right? So there's there's that side of the spectrum, um, and then there's like we said something as simple as unfollowing the people on social media that maybe trigger our own inadequacies while we are working on ourselves so i think what is supportive is coming back to a state of um or coming back to the question of in in which areas do i feel like my empowerment is being violated Mm. or my sense of of worthiness is being empowered
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I like that. And sometimes that requires creating more boundaries or stepping away from certain loved ones or existing partners. Um again I I can think of a uh, a woman who her whole life she's blamed herself for everything. Right? She and and that was another example of um of a belief that she acquired when she was little about her value and her worth and existence and, and the love that her her family or her parents perhaps did not provide. Or they obviously they did the best they could, but um and so she was willing to always take on the blame. So whenever she had a partner, um everything was her fault. Mm. Um, well, I don't look good enough. Well, I have to change. Her partner's sitting there just eating chicken fingers and cookies all day. He's you know, <laughs> I'm not judging cookies, but, but it was very easy for him to judge her body type and that she's not doing good. Or if she made a mistake. Oh, you know, he'd, he'd say these cutting little remarks, like maybe you're just not the person I thought you were. So the problem was always her. And again, it's, you know, for her own sense of self-worth at the time, she had to be willing. Again, it always comes down to willingness. It, Does this container support the deeper sense of self-worth or that, um, deeply empowered state of living that I want to step into? And if not, then oftentimes it requires great courage Mm -hmm. and it can start with something as simple as a conversation. I've seen relationship shift by the simple sentence of, um, I no longer want you speaking to me that way. Ooh. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. or nope, you get off in the bedroom and and now it's my turn, (laughs) right? It doesn't matter. I say from the boardroom to the bedroom, what areas do you feel like your empowerment is being violated? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for her, he was not a container in which her true self could thrive. And I've seen other people have those conversations um, and having the willingness to explore and to go there and say, okay, well, you know what, what I've identified is There are a lot of layers that have led to the certain belief, this sense of inadequacy, whatever. Um, I get that you may just be joking, but in this state of maybe more fragility, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: while I'm navigating, while I'm working to heal on some of these areas, what I need is a bit more love and compassion from you. And some people want to meet that. Some people do not. And then that is when... Um, the courage to actually ask yourself of, is this a container in which my sense of self-worth can actually be fulfilled?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that a lot. So it sounds like it it starts with, courage and conversation, whether that conversation is with yourself of, okay, I have to unfollow this person on social media or mute their stuff because it's really impacting my mental health or that conversation, whether it's with a partner of, this is what I need from our relationship or whether it's, I no longer wish to be spoken to like that. And so there's a yeah. lot of value in, in everything you just said.
1: And I think also, when we touched on this briefly It's also having the courage to look at where are my own inadequacies or my shame? Mm -hmm. How is this leading to disempowering others? So it's a a two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's some of the part, again, I think what is vastly different about my work is I hold people's feet to the fire. I don't force them to do anything. It's like, if this is what you want right? There's also some, there's self-ownership, there's self-accountability in, in what are you doing that's impacting the disempowerment? We cannot heal if we're causing harm to other people. Mm -hmm. I say, if I, if I had the guy, the soulmate of this, I wish I had the beefing up your booty client (laughs) guy, right? Because we could have healed these layers of shame that he had not Mm -hmm. being, you know. She let me know, not being the favorite brother, not being the most financially successful in the family, having shame from, you know, maybe judgment or um or criticism from his father, all these other things. And when we have the layers of shame and guilt, again, it has to manifest outwardly either towards ourselves or towards other people. And mm-hmm. you will continue to destroy relationship, to destroy connections, um, to ha- harm your health, um, if we are not willing to to look inwards and heal both. How it's you know those situations or environments with which our own environment is being violated or our own environment, but also what what we need to clean up so we don't cause cause harm to others.
0: Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so much more I want to ask you and <laughs> <laughs> talk about, but <laughs> I'll be back any day of the week. You let me know. Perfect. I mean, even that <laughs> just unlocked a whole bunch of questions about. Healing our partners in a relationship and stuff like that. Yeah, can't fix people. Tell us, spoiler alert. Exactly, they must have the willingness themselves. <laughs> we'll just have to have you back on to, yeah, to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> but. Last couple of final questions. Yeah. One thing I asked everybody, is there anything that we did not get to touch on that you wanted to share with everyone? Um, you know, if you wanted to, to, whether it's related to the current topic or if there's a quote that you heard recently that you love or you, just some motivation that you just want to send everyone off with.
1: Mm. Um, gosh, some motivation. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is is coming back to the awareness that no human being is defective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We take on so much blame and we think well I fucked up. I am wrong. I am I was an accident. I was all. No human being is born accidentally. Mm-hmm. No one is defect is defective or is broken and needs to be fixed. Contrary to what, again, those multi-billion dollar industries (laughs) lead you to believe. Uh, And also your partners that don't want to clean up their own shit want you to believe too. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's the grace and compassion for yourself in realizing and acknowledging all of those layers that have caused separation from the true essence. That is innately available to all of us at any moment in time. The unconditional love, the possibility, um, the the creation, the inspiration, the 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 moment in time in which you realize that you've never had to be anything different in order to be incredibly, you know, enough and a value and worthy.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that you just ended off with that. And such a great message that I know a lot of people need to hear just to start to, to heal those deep wounds, just hearing you say that no one is an accident. And yeah, I just, I love everything you said. Mm -hmm. And I know we have a lot of deep healing to do most of us listening, most of us on earth have a lot of deep healing to do. So if someone wants to get in touch with you and work with you, connect with you, see what you're up to, where's the, the, where are you hanging out the best place to get in contact yes. with you?
1: Those of you discussed, I'm, uh, over in Victoria, British Columbia. I'm on Vancouver Island. Um, like I've, I've touched on a few times. My work is incredibly contrarian. to any other program where uh, we are, we are diving into the deep end. There's no surface level conversation. Um, I I no longer do group work because I I feel, you know, it's the true healing, the true transformation comes with that Mm -hmm. one-on-one. And so all of my programs actually kick off with an in-day or a full day in person. Um, so again, if <laughs> and pe- some people think I'm batshit crazy, um, <laughs> and, uh, they also, they also see results. So, um, I would say if people are interested, if it piqued any of their interests, if they're wanting to dive into the deep end, um, they can head over to my website, sarahlajnest.com. Um, I assume we could probably throw those in the show notes since. And- Absolutely, so people don't come from a French background like you do. All <laughs> that, um, and I have a questionnaire. Uh, it it sends probably fifty percent of the people that come to my website running. Sends um, <laughs> deeply personal, deeply you know intimate uh, questions um, that start to dive into those areas. And if people want to go there, amazing. If there is that willingness, amazing. I would be deeply honored to support anyone that has resonated with this message.
0: Wonderful. I love it. Well, last final words. I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. And I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. And I really commend you on the work that you're doing because I know how important it is and how vital it is. So I just want to send you lots of love and
1: gratitude and appreciation for doing the work that you do. Thank you, Alex, equal gratitude, appreciation and love for you just for having me for doing your incredibly important work. Um, And yes, I was just so honored to have this conversation with you today.